Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome back to the Theatres of Dream podcast, presented to you by Radio Alty and Altering Community Media. I'm hosting it today with uh, me, Tom Jolly, the host of the Soundtracks of Sport on Radio Alty, joined by Rob Maxwell, the host of the Late Late Lunch Show. How are you doing, Rod? I'm very well, Tom. How are you? I mean, we've only got to start in one place, isn't it? It's with Altrium FC. They've signed eight players in the last sort of six weeks. And we've also got our new, I say new manager, Phil Parkinson signed a contract extension with the club till 2025 as well. I didn't know that. That's new news for me. That's so um... it's, a, it's a really good thing for us. Obviously, we're looking to push for playoffs. We've signed eight players, including Dior Angus, a 29-year-old striker. We've got Lewis Banks, an ex-Stoke City fullback. Joey Jones, we've got six foot five centre back in Sam Roscoe from National Irish Premiership runners up Linfield. Yeah. But he it was Roscoe not playing for them before, for on loan or something. Uh, I don't think so. So he's six I mean he's six foot five Sam Roscoe really good improvement in defence. He's uh, gonna at least help us against those long throws and that you always get in National League. Uh Chris Colin Clark returns on a club record fee. Yes uh, um, he had a brilliant season last season uh, on loan from I think it was Oldham. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Phil Parkinson said he's going to go on to hopefully become a club club cult hero. So re- I'm really happy to see him back. Obviously, an attacking midfielder. Justin Al- Amalazor, a pacey winger, joins from Aldershot Town. Oh. Uh, we've got Justin Donower, a right-sided pace merchant, as described on social media. And he spent two years at Solihull Moors, where they obviously had a really good FA Cup run. And then the last signing we've got so far is 22-year-old midfielder George Wilson. So we had about four players come on loan for the end of last season from uh, the likes of Man United. We had Maxi Odiele in midfield. We had Joe Hugo up front. Uh, obviously, they've gone back to their parent club. So good signings, I'd say. Definitely much needed if we're going to push from yeah. a, a push ahead from our 17th finish season in the National League. And good to see that the, the management team were committed. And, and with that, actually, um, Ulti doing a lot of good early business as well. Um, I would say yeah. I, I got confused with Chris Colton Clark because I, I thought he was already one of our players because he seemed to be um, ubiquitous with um, with Ulti last season. But of course, he was on on loan, yeah. and the fact that he's committed to the club it's it's a big deal, you know. Yeah, that, I mean a club record fee. We obviously saw we saw in the middle of last season it was our current uh, Ryan Cockclough obviously left Chesterfield. He was one of our best players on the wing. Uh, I was disappointed to lose him for an undisclosed fee, rumoured to be around, sort of, say, you're looking higher, near enough a million, sort of, around that for players in the National League, obviously, with the with the Wrexham and the likes of Notts County spending money. We, we've got a record fee from Chesterfield, who were one of the big dogs till Wrexham got took over. Um, but that's all that is for National League. We're hoping to see Ulti and them eight signings make a few more and then move up the table, maybe push for playoffs, because midway through last season, we were sat in sort of 12th place, but in the National League, such a it's a it's a bit like the Championship. It's such a weird league where you can be in twelfth, you can be three points off relegation, but three points off playoffs at the same time. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. it's very weird, tight. isn't it? Very tight. And and uh, you've got Brian Flynn um, on your show, I think, this week. Is that right? Yeah. So Brian Flynn, he's the media director of Austrian Football Club. He's coming on my show on Friday. So I'll be airing on Saturday, the first of July, which I'll be in Mallorca at the time. So. Sitting on the beach, <laughs> sitting on the beach, listening to my own show, be nice. But and I think this is the first week back for the players because the pastries show was live from actually um, training um, training grounds on Monday. Yeah, from Manchester yeah. training ground. Yeah, so yeah, so go and check that one out on Mitscott if you can. They obviously had uh, the likes of Phil Park and sit on there first. We had a couple of the new signings, obviously preseason started training again. 
for the National League because it's a lot of a, a lot more fixtures in the National League because there's more teams in it. There are more than 23 teams. So we'll move on to some Premier League stuff. And yesterday, Kovacic and officially joined the Man City for £25 million on a four-year contract. Uh, 28-year-old purchase from Chelsea with Gundogan, their captain signed in on a free transfer the other way to Barcelona, which Gundogan, captain, was Pep's first signing uh, during his tenure at Manchester City. Uh, he's been brilliant. Obviously, he leaves on free because they couldn't sort out a contract in time. I think he just wants a new chapter. And it's a good way to leave the club, isn't it, on a treble, treble win? Not a bad uh, way to leave the club. And Kovacic, I think it's a perfect signing for Manchester City because he only plays 28 games a season for um, Chelsea. So he sort of slots into that sort of Pep roulette role in midfield, if you like, where their team is so stacked and their bench is so stacked with good, really good world-class players that he'll, he'll happily go and sit on the bench and come on sort of maybe he'll play more minutes than say what Calvin Phillips has this season and he'll still have an impact but he won't be playing every game week in week out say the likes of Rodri did but, but it's smart isn't it it's, it's what 28 million did you say yeah so 25 million plus 5 million add-ons which is 30 million he had a year left from his contract I think that's brilliant business because if I'm I would have taken him at United if we could have done he was I really like him he's a really good progressive ball carry midfield he's got the most progressive ball carries in the Premier League, uh, not last season, so I think it's a really good sign for them. And you know, um, it's people say City only buy big players um, and and spend lots of money, but I think that's good value for money. And yeah, it's I think it really is. I mean, yeah, that's thirty million. But speaking of Man City, they this morning they are backed out of the race for England midfielder and Europa Conference League champion Declan Rice, with Arsenal making a record bid of hundred and five million pounds win English transfer record. I mean, okay, he's English. I get that, but 105 million is a lot of money to pay for Rice. So, do you think? So the Athletic reported last week that Arsenal bid 75 million. Then Man City bid 95 million. Well, that's including add-ons. And then this year, this year, this today, this morning, we've seen them bid uh, 105 million pounds, which is about about 134 million pound uh, euros. We're talking. For obviously Jack Grealish is the record holder at the moment with a hundred million, so we're looking at a really big sign in there. Um, that's quite on Arsenal, like again. I mean, at the other end of the spectrum to City, they don't often splash that amount of cash. Yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be an amazing signing for whoever gets him. Obviously, we as as United fans, we we would love him at our club, Man City. As much as they want him, do they need him? That's the thing. I don't think they do. They've got Rodri in there, who's absolutely brilliant. I know Declan Rice can play as an eight as well, but I don't think he's the player that Man City need in their midfield. Yeah. And, I, also and... think, I also think with that transfer, I think the Athletic have reported, obviously, Man City bidding 90 million, but I think the fact that him staying in London, because people do forget that it's his job and he doesn't want to have to, you, you don't want to have to relocate if you don't need and things like that and he's a proper London boy isn't he so yeah but you know I, 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 I don't I don't get that right because these personally speaking you know where would I rather play football and I, I you know Arsenal are a great club they play good football Arteta is a very good manager I get that and then I could go to the Premier League champions European champions and be um, be um, coached under under Pep, and if it's really down to the fact he doesn't want to move away from London, I find that strange in these these days where they'll play everywhere around the world. You know, so I, I don't. I, I I personally I think with Declan Rice is probably where is he better fit, and where might he be a bigger player? Um, you know, I think it's hard to hold, but 
Mm. I wouldn't mind seeing him go abroad. Obviously, he had that he had that phone call with Thomas Tuchel at Bayern Munich. And speaking of Bayern Munich, they've now put in a record bid. Um, another record bid. Obviously, we've seen a lot of money flying around a bit. They put seventy-five million in for Harry Kane. Personal terms are already agreed. This is from ESPN. But Man United still interested in. But Daniel Levy will not sell to a direct Premier League rival, and he's still not interested in really selling him, is he? So. I don't know where that was going to go. Me personally, I don't see Harry Kane leaving England. I think he wants he wants Alan Shearer's record. So I think, in my eyes, he'll stay at Tottenham for another season. I think he'd be at Tottenham for another season, and then he he probably extend after uh, after that. And Spurs are doing a bit of business. Uh, Vicario, is that right? Um, Vicario from Empoli. Uh, the twenty six year old signs on a five year deal after Captain Lloris leaves the club, and he'll wear the number thirteen shirt. So. He's the 26-year-old Italian goalkeeper. He's tipped quite highly in the, the world of Italian football. Genuinely, Gianluigi Buffon says he's the future uh, number one goalkeeper for the Italian national team. So it's a decent signing. Obviously, they've needed a keeper. They're not going to start with Fraser Forster in goal anymore because realistically wasn't up to the standard of the Premier League last season uh, with um, Lloris out injured. And Lloris is unfortunate because he's left the club Obviously, he's won the World Cup. He's the captain France to the World Cup. He's captain Spurs for over five years. But I think his time was finally up and it's a good time for Spurs. And in, in the world of women's football, there's um, an interesting transfer apparently taking place where Russo, um, Alessia Russo, who plays for United, uh, might be going to Arsenal. Um, she's 20. Yeah, so we spoke about this on last week's podcast, didn't we? Mm. So obviously, Alessia Russo had a bid from... Arsenal in the WSL in January for 855k rejected by Mark Skinner and his club in Man United Women. And then they, she her contract's then run out and she's then leaving on a free. The same with owner battle going to Barcelona. Um, that's all the signings in women's football there has been so far, the major ones. Um, Marta, I can't think of the last name off the top of my head. She plays for Birmingham. She's just signed a two-year contract extension until 2025. Um, but no, that's all I've got for women's football. And Moving back into uh, a bit of Newcastle, the Athletic are reporting that Newcastle are interested in Chelsea Academy products and current Southampton fullback Tino Livramento. He suffered an ACL injury in April 2022, but he's still highly rated widely, including by Eddie Howe, who wants the fullback at the club. So that'd be a good sign. He had a really good sort of breakthrough season uh, at the start of last season and the season before with Southampton under Ralph Hasenhutl. He was playing more of a, yes, he was a wing-back, but he was uh, really progressive. In his first five games, he scored twice. He was unbelievable. Um, moving on to our man of Rod's beloved Manchester United. I don't know if you've seen this, Rob, but David De Gea supposedly had his contract U-turned by Manchester United yesterday. The Spaniards' 12-year stay at Manchester United is at jeopardy with his contract extension being agreed, including him taking a pay cut, However, the Athletic reported that Eric Ten Hag U-turned the contract during these negotiations because he wants an improved number one. So De Gea was apparently agreed with the club and it was set for it to be signed in a one-year contract extension, which would see him take a pay cut from his grand weekly wage. But apparently it's not going to happen at the moment. It's looking like because the Athletic are reporting that the club and Eric Ten Hag have refused, have basically U-turned the contract. So he's That's not going to be signed straight away. That, that can only uh, suggest that Ten Hag's already got somebody that he wants in. And well, uh, speaking of speaking of other goalkeepers, we have made. I said on last week's show we've progressed in talks into Milan goalkeeper Andrew Nana. 
So that could be something. The Senegalese goalkeeper worked with Ten Hag at Ajax, in which the United gaffer called him a wonderful goalkeeper. Inter demands 60 million for the Champions League runner-up, which is something where our budget this year, especially with the ownership, I don't think we're going to be able to spend a mass amount of money. So I think Ten Hag might, yes, he wants a really good, better number one with his feet, progressive passing, better in possession. And Onana's perfect for that. But 60 million rising to, say, 75 could be a steep part of our budget for the summer. So whether he wants to go ahead with that transfer or not with Inter, obviously, Champions League finalists looking for 60 million. Well, the, the, the thing is, I mean, I, I, I guess United can might know what their minimum transfer budget is yeah. under business as usual situation. Well, Who knows where they're going to be in the ownership um, market? There's a board meeting today uh, in New York. I think it's going to be about three o'clock New York time or something like that. Um, maybe there'll be an announcement after that. Maybe they're going to sit down and agree who's buying it. Who knows? But um, um, I, 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 I can't. You know, I, I would have thought under businesses as usual, United would have a pot of money, maybe 150, 200 million to spend. I don't know. I know well, I did. Our transfers with the players going out of the club, obviously, we mentioned on the last couple of podcasts that we've got eight or nine players we can get rid of that aren't even in our first team. That can raise 240 million max with funds. But the board meeting, as you said, even if someone takes over the club, they can't. They're not going to be able to have influence on the transfer window because of FFP. I don't think they can. Yeah, of course. Um, yes. And with the ownership, Samuel Luckhurst, chief MEN, chief Manchester news writer for Manchester United, reported that a deal for the club to be bought will not be made or announced until the 30th of June. But that's because it's the fourth quarter ending for the financial terms of the club, which then means the Glazers can take their dividends out of the club one last time. But, Which makes sense from a business point of view, realistically. It makes sense for them still in the club, whether we want them or not. And obviously, if we saw yesterday in regards to the ownership, there was a Glazers Out protest in front of the Megastore. So oh. the first team kit was released yesterday morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, the Megastore was then shut down at 10.01 because there was a Glazers Out protest in front of the Megastore in which the police were there. Obviously, it was a peaceful protest with the banners run by the 1958 organisation. But it was then... The Megastore was then closed for at least about half an hour to an hour because of this protest, which from from their point of view is good because they don't want anybody buying merchandise from the club because it's funding the Glazers. They don't want anything like that. But the thing that confuses me about that is they're all more than happy to pay for the tickets for the games. So that's what confuses me with that on that regard. Yeah, so, uh, well, um, surely uh, if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I mean... We, we talked about it long and uh, hard many times on this um, podcast already, but I, I think it's only going to be one buyer now. I, I don't understand why Ratcliffe went in with the Glazers still owning a share of it. Um, and, and I talk to people when I'm out dog walking and we talk about it at length. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think nobody can see past them, the Qataris getting it. And um, so... I just get it done, but uh, you make a good point. You know, regardless of when they come in, their spend will be de- determined by FFP this year. So you probably not really see their influence in yeah. in transfers until this time next year, if they do buy the club. I think I think the biggest influence if Qatar come in will be the training ground will straight away be renovated, or plans will be put in place, the stadium yeah. renovation put in place, uh, the funding for the women's team. I think that goes under the radar. They're obviously playing. 
Yeah, we're one of the we're one of the top three teams in oh, yeah. WSL at the moment, yeah. and we're playing at Lee Sports Village. We don't even have our own stadium. Yeah. Chelsea women, Arsenal women, Liverpool women—they all have their Good own fans. They all have their own stadium. Like even Man City, they're not the best WSL team. They sort of sit round about mid table. They have their own, obviously, with the Etihad campus. They have their own. They use the academy stadium. Whereas we're renting out the Sports Village week by week, which one is an absolute pain for fans to get to because it's a mile away. It's not even in Manchester. It's a bit of a trek. Um, two, the players don't like playing that. I can guarantee you that. It's not a great pitch. It's out the way. It's a pain to get to. It's just a level below all the other teams in WSL because the Sports Village is obviously, it's not just where the women's team play, it's where the under-21s play their fixtures in Europe. The under the under 18s play their fixtures in their sort of Champions League under 18 group. We see the under we've even seen the under 16s use that pitch at some point, obviously with it being a shorter pitch. But I think the investment into the women's team is something that gets tucked under the radar that needs to be looked into as well. Yeah, no, I think it it, it absolutely does. But you you I, I if the if this ownership thing goes through in the next few weeks, and I I, I would imagine this board meeting. And it's a significant one. I think it'll be to sign off on that, yeah. I, I would think. The first thing I think you'll see is um, plans being released to um, to improve the stadium um, because that, that's something that can do independent of other things and the yeah. facilities. And I, I would say you're right. And, and actually a plan, an investment plan around the women's team as well. And, and that... That was that, that's one of the things. That's one of the things on Qatar's itinerary for when they for when they buy the club. So, I think that'll be brilliant. I think with this meeting today, I think anyone listening now, maybe you want to keep a keen eye on the New York Stock Exchange because we know from these board meetings, people know things, people invest money because something's going on. Obviously, we saw two weeks ago with twenty six pump rise in the stock market for Manchester United shares. Wonder if they'll go up again today or after this meeting. Maybe if it's a progressive meeting or not, you never know. But speaking of Manchester United, our third bid of 55 million plus 5 million add-ons for Mason Mount has been rejected again. Mm. The Red Devils have been linked for moves, several of the moves for Moises Caicedo of Brighton. We actually were meant to buy him before he joined Brighton, but he chose Brighton for for first-team football. We offered him 2 million from a Colombian club uh, and he rejected us to join uh, Brighton for 3 million. So it's one of those signs where an if signing. Um Juventus World Cup winning World Cup winning midfielder Adrian Rabio uh, is another player that we've held talks with his agents team. However, he looks to set to sign a contract extension with Italian giants Juventus. And the last transfer I've got for now is um, per El Nacional, which is a Spanish outlet. Liverpool have made a bid for Uruguay midfielder Federico Valverde. So he's the Uruguay midfielder. He's a very versatile midfielder. Can play the sort of on the right, right back, right midfield, right wing. We've seen him play for Real Madrid in the Champions League. He's a really good box-to-box midfielder. Uh, the 24-year-old could... Um, he's been brilliant for Real Madrid in the last three seasons and he could move to Anfield for at least £90 million, which I don't know where Liverpool are getting their money from because obviously they signed McAllister for 34 but they've, they, I know they've got a lot of players going out the, out the club, but FSG don't like to invest a lot into transfer windows. We've seen with Liverpool's net spend, they've they've done quite well on a tight budget. So, and I see um, uh, Tottenham have been in the market and bought themselves an, an, an Italian goalkeeper from um, Empoli. Yeah, so we just spoke about that before. They've obviously got 
They obviously did go and buy Vasario, but then speaking of Tottenham, the Athletic are reporting they're holding out Leicester are holding out sixty million from Tottenham for James Madison, with Spurs only seeing forty million as a reasonable offer, and that's all for the transfers for the moment. With obviously, it's 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 looking tasty. I will say next season with all these good transfers, it's looking good. Uh, it's going to be real. I think I mean Card Tata came out last week, so it's going to be the most competitive season yet, which I yeah. completely agree. It, we we. <laughs> We can hopefully be seeing maybe four or five teams pushing, pushing at the top of the table, and all the teams that come up, they're doing business. We've seen Luton sign another striker this morning. Um, it's it's looking it's looking good. I, I can't really pin one team that could go down apart from maybe Sheffield United if they don't get them investment. But obviously they've got new owners, so you never know. Have you bought your ticket for the uh, Ulti Man United? Um... I have indeed. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good picture. Altrium uh, in pre-season, a player in Manchester United under 21s. Uh, Manchester United under 21s are also in the Papa John's Cup against Stockport, Salford, and I can't think of the last team, but they're they're in a really good group for that as well. Uh, Bolton, there you go. So Salford, Bolton, and Stockport, which is a really good local group for that uh, for those four teams to get into. So brilliant. What what date in July is that friendly between uh, Ulti and uh, Man United? I believe it's around the end of July. I think it's around 15th or something like that. And that game will be live, hopefully, on Radio Ulti because we've got Radio Robbins. And Radio Robbins. I'll I'll be doing all the the reporting on that on my show as well, giving you all the good good gossip on maybe all the dream transfers coming in. Obviously, we've had eight transfers this week. I guarantee you we're going to get a couple more coming in before the end of the transfer window for that little push for playoffs for Phil Parkinson's side. And it was a really good interview that Brian Flynn did with them on uh, Pastries in the morning. Uh, they obviously went and broadcasted from the Edgerton training yeah, ground. Yeah. Brilliant. We've not really seen that before on Radio Alty, so that's good. Uh, and it's a re- it's, it's number two on the sports chart on Mixed Card right now. Go and give it a listen. It's about an hour and a bit long. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Go and give it a lot of listen. Good. Uh, well, okay, I think that wraps it up. I'm away for uh, four weeks now on a bit of a um, North America jaunt. Um, you, you might be still doing a few podcasts in the meantime. Maybe, maybe I'll come and do a podcast from the beach next week. So. <laughs> yeah, you're away <laughs> maybe too. Well, maybe when we come back in four weeks, we might know if Man United We might have signed someone. <laughs> we might have signed somebody as, as well. And uh, some of the friendlies will have started, won't they, Tom? Yeah, so our friendlies start at the end of July. So we, we, I think our first game is against Dortmund, which is in America, which is at the same stadium which hosted the CONCACAF Nations League final between America and Canada men's teams. So it'll be a really good game. I mean, it's already sold out tickets-wise. We then play Wrexham the next week, which will be interesting because obviously a National League side, yeah, you expect them to... For some reason, I, I can somehow see Wrexham just winning because it's just... That's just the fairy tale story will continue. You see, their owners have bought into Alpine Formula One. Yes. So Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney have put 20, have bought 24% of our French Formula One team, Alpine, which used to be Renault. But obviously they're expanding, they're expanding their businesses, aren't they? We've they're seen now, they're now based, they're based in the UK, you know. Yeah, Alpine are, yeah. Um, I mean, you see a lot of a lot of Formula One teams are based in the UK. Yeah, Red yeah. Bull, Mercedes. We, I can list seven right now that are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's brilliant. I think the only one that aren't is Haas because they're known they're in Austria. But um, no, it's brilliant. And I think the the whole way that Ryan Reynolds is doing his business is he's obviously the main business person. He sold his uh, aviation lager for up to one point three billion pounds, really? which when he 
he's bought he's built that up with his advertisement that was obviously Rexham's main sponsor Rexham's main sponsor has since become the likes of Expedia TikTok etc making funds for the club they they are they are by far the richest club in the EFL from up from the championship to league two but do you, do you know what we need is to get Ryan Reynolds to invest some money in Radio Walty because he seems to be helping <laughs> He just seems to be splashing cash, having a bit of fun. Well, he, he, he came to every game in the cup, bar all three. Fair, so. fair play to them. Fair play to them. Well, look, if he if he wants to invest in a, a radio station or maybe even um, sponsor a podcast, come and see us, Mr. Reynolds. We're really, we're <laughs> time. Well, look, that's it for a, a short update on uh, the, the theatres of Dreams podcast, the podcast about football right across the leagues, even across the world. Um, Tom, uh, you're on your jollies very soon, and uh, you got a show this week with Brian Flynn, that will be Saturday at what time? 12 o'clock, is it? 12 till 1. Yeah, so tune in for that. 12 till 1 on Saturday. Me and Brian are going to be talking everything silly season. And we're also, I'm also going to be interviewing a little bit about how he got into his job at Altrium and what it's like doing his job. He's top man, top man. Well, look, um, I will be back myself in about four weeks' time. Until then, see you soon. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>